coming down in the elevator uh, for this meeting, uh, my wife said, uh, what have you got on? And I said, I want to show the best and brightest young people that they can wear Nikes with a business suit. <laughs> and she said, thank God you're not president of jockey underwear. <laughs> It was last weekend when I realized I was really going to have to come down here and say something to the best and brightest young people in this country. And I said, what on earth will I tell them? And I went to a movie called uh, Dead Poets Society. <laughs> and I see some of you have seen it and liked it as I did. The message, of course, in that, said in Latin because they also were smart young people, was carpe diem, seize the day. And I liked it so much, I called over and said, maybe I'll use that. I called over to International Division and I said, how do you spell that? These guys are smart and I gotta get this right. So C-A-R-P-E-D-I-U-M. And uh, so just uh, to double check, I called over at the University of Portland where we have uh, one of the really fine Latin scholars in the country, the Reverend John P. Bigger. And I said, uh, what is the specific meaning of carpe diem? And he said, carpe diem, that's easy. It means just do it. <laughs> uh, Nike has uh, been a public company for nine years. Uh, I think more has been written about it than uh, that anybody cares about it uh, that really already knows. I think uh, it started uh, in my mother's laundry room. Uh, it rode a waffle iron to the number one sports shoe position in the United States. We dropped back to number two, and over this last 12 months, we regained that position, the only company to do that in the last 50 years. <clears throat> I'm very proud of that, but rather than go through some of those details, what I thought I would share with you today is my personal trip on this journey in the hopes that maybe that might be of some value to you in the personal trip that you will take in the coming decade. In talking about that, I thought I would concentrate on what I saw, looking back at least, as the obstacles. And for me, the biggest obstacle was my father. Uh, he was a self-made man who became the publisher of the second largest newspaper in the state of Oregon. I was his only son for whom he wanted the very best. He financed much of my education and uh, sent me to the University of Oregon, where I was proud to run on the University of Oregon's fine distance team, and then on to the Stanford Graduate School of Business. So I became a CPA, and at age 25, I went into his office, and I said, I want to start a company selling running shoes made in Japan. He had a reaction which may be predictable, but was a surprise to me. He laughed. He couldn't believe I was serious. <clears throat> and when he finished, uh, and I tried again, and eventually convinced him that I was very serious. And basically he says, you're breaking my heart. And I said, based on all you have taught me and all the fine education I have had, it breaks my heart to break your heart, but I have to do this. Uh, I would like to say that we were an overnight success. That was not the case. Um, there are only two and a half major banks in the state of Oregon. We were thrown out of two of them. 
We, uh, at one point in the early years, lost the one factory that was making 90% of our product. At that time, we had 45 full-time employees and had to start all over. But somewhere in there in the late 1970s, the dream began to click. And in 1980, we were pub went public, and I was proud that my dad was there to see it. He, a proud man, never commented that I made the right choice. But he did say, I watched the news last night. There were a lot of terrible events on the news, but they had a great close-up of those shoes. <laughs> I think that the message that you will get from the speakers at this meeting will be, some, the messages will be somewhat varied. My message, I think, will be a little different based on my personal experience. It says, for the best and brightest, they should aim high, and you will hear that over and over again. My message is, dare to fail. Says, 90 percent of the young people that come into my office and applying for a job when they graduated from college are brighter than the young people that we used to see five years ago, but they are also too sensible and too conservative. They are concerned about titles, career paths, vacations, retirement plans, and first-class airfare. It misses the essence of the business. The only time you cannot fail is the last time you try. I have one other message that I would like to tell you, and that is listen to the voice inside you. That voice is not described in any textbook. It is uniquely yours. Its message has been molded by parents, coaches, teachers, and special mentors from other fields. For you, the best and brightest, it is a voice you sometimes try to escape. You cover your head with your hands, but it doesn't work. It's a voice you hear with your hearts and not with your ears, and it never leaves you. It has a simple, basic message, and the message is, just do it. <laughs> Thank you. And Matthew Stith from West Lafayette, Indiana. I was wondering what effect have the continuing labor problems in South Korea had on your production and also your marketing and pricing? Um, the, uh, the business uh, is very labor intensive and basically uh, where the United States has basically uh, converted itself from being a, a country of uh, labor-intensive businesses 100, 150 years ago. It has gone into uh, airplanes and computers and that sort of thing. This business is 98% offshore, by definition low-labor countries, and by definition somewhat politically unstable countries. Our, our response to that is tend to, tend to be in more than one country at a time, and we're spread out throughout Korea, Taiwan, China, Thailand, in Indonesia. Uh, so the, uh, the risk isn't all in one basket. The Korean problem uh, has not affected us directly. Uh, effectively, the, uh, the television things that you see are basically based in Seoul, and our production is mostly in, in Busan. My own personal, uh, so, so we haven't really experienced any, uh, any serious problems with that in either the uh, marketing or the sales of, uh, the marketing or the production of shoes. Uh, my own personal observation on that whole process is 
is, number one, I have a great deal of admiration for the Korean people. They have really pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, and they are basically going through a political change now, which I think is really common and predictable for any country going from a, being an underdeveloped country to becoming a developed and, and really fairly, fairly uh, wealthy country. And I think they'll fight through these problems, but I think it will last for a while. What has also happened is their, is their standard of living has risen, that the cost of their product has gotten very high. Uh, five years ago, we had no $100 shoes. Today, we have uh, probably 25 models that cost more than $100. Uh, a bigger problem, obviously, to us is what's going on in China. Uh, fortunately, we get only 4% of our product there, but uh, so that economically, that doesn't uh, really hurt us too bad because it's fairly easy to change the production. What has been really very difficult is uh, on a kind of a personal and emotional basis to watch that, uh, knowing that there are friends and employees and people that you've worked with over the years that are going through a really traumatic time. Uh, what happens there, I think, uh, is, is anybody's guess. You listen to experts and what they say they don't know. But uh, you know, as a company, we're going to be all right. As a country, it worries me that uh, a, a nation as large and as, uh, as influential in all that part of the world is having such difficulties. Advertising is undeniably some of the best there is. Are you the inspiration behind that advertising? Or <laughs> to use an outside advertising firm? Or It's an interesting process. Uh, uh, and I, I really think this is also a little bit of, of the message, that uh, we have an outside agency. It's a very small agency located in Portland, Oregon. The creative genius behind the advertising is a man named Dan Wyden. He's 45 years old. He's been in the advertising business for 20 years. He never came close to a Clio before. He says all of a sudden he didn't, didn't just wake up one morning and become smart. Really what happens is that when we got together with that agency three or four years ago, that uh, there became a creative, really, spark that went on between our marketing people and, and, and him and some of the others in his agency. So that the results that you see on the television screen really are not the mark of one man. He gets most of the credit and, and certainly deserves it. But there were also three or four other people in our marketing department that uh, had a lot to do with it. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, I was the creative spark behind that. Uh, I had a touch maybe, but uh, there were probably at least uh, five or 10 people that had a lot more to do with it. But I think, I think uh, it's my experience in business that, uh, that you have uh, particularly, and I think the business schools teach this a little bit, that you go down to these and you look at these organization charts, you say so-and-so reports to so-and-so, and you know we have these very strict organizational lines. As a matter of fact, in our business, which changes so fast, it says uh, that you know, people are firing at you every day and you have to fire back, and that essentially we cross those lines all the time and that the successes that we have uh, over the last 10 or 15 years, and we've had some things that are not successes, but the ones we've had have really been, just as I tried to describe this advertising effort, a very much a collaborative effort between a number of people that together really get a result better than any one of them could do. 